Are either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Yeah, well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You sorry? You waste all our film. <laughs> it's so bad. I still laugh at that new intro. I love that. That's that's <laughs> courtesy of our friends at the Harrisonburg, Virginia radio group where we do call-ins every week and talk about the new movies and they just went ahead and made us that intro so nice. thank you i love that welcome back inside the screening room she is hope madden he's george wolf and we are from madwolf.com back to talk about the new ones in the theaters this week and the new ones out on home video and see what we got see what we got good well you probably know the big one this week it's hard to believe but it's episode number eight in the furious franchise and it's the fate of the furious if you're gonna catch Dom, you guys are gonna work together. Surprise. I just fell in love. I've been waiting for this. We got a tank. Let's roll. I don't know if the old Dom is in there. I don't give a damn. I'm taking you down. Toretto, let's play. Since Charlize Theron is joining the party, I like to call this the fate of the Furiosa. <laughs> and, we, and, you know, she's never a bad addition to pretty much anything. No, she's always a good idea. Yeah, but she's, uh, she's here now. And if you've lost track, somehow over the past seven movies, this group of street racers, they've become these black ops, off-the-grid super spies. <laughs> and if you want me, if you want us to explain how that happened, forget it. Right. Because uh, it is ridiculous, as these movies have become increasingly ridiculous. But in a strange way, they've become increasingly more entertaining. Right, because I think maybe two to three episodes back, they just embraced their ridiculousness. Yes. Somewhere around the time The Rock joined the cast, right? <laughs> I think they just embraced their ridiculousness. And one of the things that this movie does, I think it actually kind of ups the comedic ante a little yes. bit because they bring Jason Statham back. He was the villain last go-round, and now he's got to join the team for no really clear reason. And uh, and he and The Rock, Jason Statham and The Rock, have really great comic sort of send up your own uh, persona kind of chemistry. So you just want them to kiss each other, honestly. <laughs> and they, believe me, they have a little fun with that. Uh, but yeah, the comedy starts pretty much right away because we find The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, he's coaching his daughter's soccer game when right. he gets called back into action. Yeah. So the gang is all back together and they do a job. And of course, they, they kill it. And they're going back for some beers. And then all of a sudden, Dom, Vin Diesel, Master Thespian, he goes <laughs> rogue and he turns on his family, which you know is a big thing. That's because right. if there's one thing we know about Dom, family is important. <laughs> We've, that's been hammered into our heads for the last seven movies. But you find out it's because of Charlize Theron's character, this, this super hacker. Cypher. Cypher. Cypher's actually been hanging around the fringes of this yeah. franchise for several films. And so now we finally meet Cypher, and, it's, and, it's, and she's much better looking than we maybe thought two episodes <laughs> ago. Yeah, and that's, you know, that's good casting. I mean, you see her come in. You know, when I first saw the trailers of this, I thought, ooh, you know, they're getting people involved. And there's another great cameo. That great cameo. Of somebody who brings a lot of gravitas that we won't mention for fear of spoilers. But, yeah, Cypher is the big hacker. We're told that even Anonymous is afraid of her. So, ooh. Uh, so she's got something on Dom that makes him turn. And, of course, that, you know, the rest of his family, they don't know what's going on. And so it's uh, family against family as Cypher wants Dom to uh, help her pull a big job. And before you know it, yeah, um, Decker, Deckard Shaw, uh, Jason Statham's character, is back. And then they're in prison. And then they're out of prison. And they 
and they're they're fighting against each other and they're working and then Mr. Nobody Kurt Russell shows up and he's got a young apprentice Scott Eastwood and, and then cars are driving themselves and they're chasing each other and they're flying out of windows and they're they're <laughs> raining down on 7th Avenue and Didn't then the mention- rock opens the driver's side door <laughs> steps out of the car, picks up an active missile, and tosses it over his head to hit a nearby car. The ridiculousness just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. But for me, actually, you know, I think this, it did a better job last episode, and even the episode before, I think, of really embracing this we are superheroes kind of shtick. And in this one, for me, it, it grew tiresome. It did a little bit. I think you're right about that that was a smart thing to do. Last time it was James Wan uh, directing. And who showed a little bit more uh, ability with the stylish action sequences. Yeah. Which is a little surprising. The director this time is F. Gary Gray, who did such a great job a couple years ago with Straight Outta Compton. But also, a few years ago, he directed the car chase movie with Charlize Theron, the remake of The Italian Job. So uh, he's got the talent, but this time it's, it's, it's a little lacking in style, I think, for the action. But I think, going back to the point about going just over-the-top ridiculous, I think it was a good choice to keep this franchise going, especially with, you know, the sad death of Paul Walker, which they dealt with in a nice little send-off in the last movie. And now his, they do bring his, uh, Brian, the character, up uh, a couple times. And you do kind of feel that um, loss, I guess, especially since it's so much of a family theme here. You would think when all this happens, they would call him back in, you know, that, that since they didn't kill the character off. They do try to explain it away a little bit, and that's fine. But I think, again, they made a nice, a smart move keeping this going and keeping it just over-the-top entertaining because the crowd that we saw it with was definitely loving it. They oh, really yeah. were. They were loving the comedy. They were loving the crazy action. If there would have been some sharks with lasers on their heads, people would have just gone, yeah, fine, whatever. Yeah, agreed. In fact, there was a, a, a mother and son near me, little boys, probably eight or nine, and the mom promised when they sat down she wasn't going to cry this time. And I thought, you cried at the last <laughs> Fast and Furious? And well, then because of the a, character. That there's was, a yeah. scene at the very end of this film, and I heard this little whimper noise, and I heard the little boy go, Mom! And <laughs> damn it if she wasn't crying. Not again, Mom. <laughs> but uh, so all in all, I think really the last one, I was, it was kind of a guilty pleasure how much I enjoyed it. Once I gave into it, you know, that it is just a ridiculous superhero movie. Didn't and I, it, you know, I felt that way about the sixth one, mm-hmm. honestly. So. so they've been building up to it, and they're just, they have at least more, uh, two more plans. So you know it's, only, it's not going to back down any, especially if the box office keeps racking up as much as I expect this one was going to. So guilty pleasure entertaining, I think, is how we both uh, would probably characterize yeah. the fate of the Furious. Yeah. Not quite on par with the last one, because I think you're right. It grows a little tiresome. It's over two hours. Yes. Which, you know, in so many of these movies, well, so many movies regardless, less is often more. And if I think- you're making an action movie that's stupid, please, <laughs> for the love of God, <laughs> under two hours. Yeah, but, um, yeah, so it grow a little bit tiresome. But you know what? If they ever wanted to do just an offshoot with uh, just Dwayne Johnson and Jason Statham, I think. Oh, yeah. That could be funny. Yeah. That could be funny. But The Fate of the Furious, if you like this franchise, you're going to like it. For us, kind of a guilty pleasure. Next up is the new film from Captain America himself, Chris Evans. He plays Frank, a single man raising his child prodigy niece, Mary, and he's drawn into a custody battle with 
his mother, the child's grandmother, in Gifted. I think your niece may be gifted. I am good friends with the headmaster of the Oaks Academy for Gifted Education. No, I promised my sister I'd give Mary a normal life. Who's that lady in front of our door? That'll be your grandmother. You are denying the girl her potential. How many seven-year-olds are doing advanced calculus? We petitioned the court to grant my client full custody of the child. No! What's your greatest fear? That I'll ruin Mary's life. Mary! 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 Uh-uh! She's bossy. I've heard that. He's a good person. You wanted me before I was smart. I was worried about this one. Mm-hmm. You know, this has got schmaltzy, sentimental, preachy, all melodramatic, over it. yeah, and manipulative. And and you know, I mean, even though, so the the really the idea here is Frank, uh, he just wants this little girl to be a normal little girl, have a normal life, and uh, but she is a math genius, mm-hmm. and her grandmother, who uh, has ignored her for her entire life, and but didn't realize how gifted she was until she started school, and the principal got in touch with the grandmother. So then she comes in and she wants to, uh, to adopt her because she doesn't want her to be a normal little girl. Yeah. She wants her to be a genius. She wants her to be the next Einstein. She wants her to be leading the way in terms of science and math. And, um, and so you know pretty early on, you know, basically what it's saying is, how do you raise a child who's smarter than you? That's really what it's saying. You know, how, what, is, what is the fair thing to do? And it's a great question. You know, do you just have her be bored to death in first grade with everybody right. else? Or do you rob her of the experience of like Girl Scouts and, and playground fun so that she can go, whatever, cure cancer? And it's, it's, a, um, it's a nuanced question. And I expected this to be much preachier, but it's, it's better than it should be primarily because of some good performances. Well, also at the core of it, not just the child that's smarter than you, but at the core, there's a question of how schools and how parents deal with gifted children. Yeah. They don't have to be geniuses, but some children are more gifted, yes. you know, without being geniuses. So there's a core question there that is a very real life occurrence for families all the time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and they build on that. But yeah, the performances, you've got Chris Evans, and then you're playing the grandmother is a Lindsay Duncan, who uh, you might not know her name, but if you saw Birdman, she played the theater critic that really gives it to uh, Michael Keaton yeah. in the bar there. And she's had a long, long list of credits, but she's very, very good. And then the little girl named McKenna Grace. So good. She's really wonderful. And her chemistry with Chris Evans, honestly, is probably what makes you invest in the film. The film veers off in some really needless and, to be honest, weird directions. Mm. Um, and it's best when it focuses on uh, Mary, Uncle Frank, and Grandma. And yeah, Lindsay Duncan is magnificent in a role that could have been very one-dimensional, wicked witch. Villain, and isn't, yeah. And yeah. isn't, really isn't. And her, her scenes alone with Chris Evans are also, because of course, he's her son, Sure. I mean, it, it, they're also really quite moving. Again, the chemistry is wonderful. I mean, the, the performances are very good. The movie, You're not really in any serious doubt as to what's going to happen, <laughs> who's right and who's wrong. But that's not always a bad thing. I mean, most romantic comedies, yeah. you know where you it's going. The yeah. question is, how, how does well it get does there? it get there? And, you know, the thing is, I'm not saying this gets there exceedingly well. Mm-hmm. The writing is adequate. Uh, again, the storyline takes some needless turns. Uh, but... But the, the three core performances are, are definitely solid enough to elevate this above sort of its sentimental, melodramatic trappings. Right. So the performances and, and characters that are believable. Right. So often in a movie like this, the child ends up not even being the main character. It ends up being a prop 
so that the writer director can sort of preach and have a, mm-hmm. a straw man to preach against. That's not the case here. This little girl, uh, McKenna Grace, she's wonderful and she's a fully fledged character. Um, and, uh, and, and I really appreciated that. And, and, and yeah, and Chris Evans is great playing probably the best looking schlubby everyman uncle you've ever seen. But still, I mean, he does a great job, especially with, uh, you know, uh, in his, in his performance screen time alone with his mom and with, you know, his niece, he just does, he does a really lovely job. Yeah. The little girl, McKenna Gray, she has a pretty long list of credits. She's on the TV show designated survivor, which. We don't really watch TV, so we haven't seen that. But once again, how many times have we seen in the last several years yeah. just children and young adults yeah. just come on the scene and just be so good yeah, yeah, yeah. in these films? So you can add another name there to uh, the movie Gifted, which is, I guess, better than we expected, it was. right? Yeah, better than we expected and, uh, and some really great performances there. And one more opening this week in limited release, but it's getting a lot of buzz. It stars Kristen Stewart as a personal shopper in Paris who refuses to leave the city until she makes contact with her twin brother who previously died there. And it's called Personal Shopper. What are you doing in Paris? I'm waiting. My twin brother died here. We made this oath. Whoever died first would send the other a sign. From the afterlife. Louis, are you here? Or is it just me? This is the latest film from writer-director Olivier Assayas, who uh, his last movie I loved, called The Clouds of Sils Maria. It was good. And it featured what I thought at the time one of the best, if not the best performance I had seen from Kristen Stewart. So uh, he's back and he's got her as the star. Yeah, so in... uh... In Clouds of Sils Maria, she's a supporting character, although she does a really lovely job. In this one, she's basically in every frame of the film. Mm-hmm. She is absolutely the star of this movie. And um, um, I'm not a huge fan of hers. A lot of people aren't. But she does a decent job in this film uh, playing. And it's funny because she is a personal shopper to this A-list celebrity who's apparently a giant pain. Um, and, and it's interesting to see her. She just takes her scooter all around Paris and sometimes has to take the train to London to go pick up some Cartier jewelry or some, you know, brand new dress nobody's ever worn or seen or anything so that this woman can wear it to some, some Milan party or another, you know. Well, that's funny because in, remember in Clouds of Sils Maria, Very she similar. was a personal assistant she was, to a famous to a, actress. To a famous actress. Uh-huh. But he's using it in a, in a different way this time because then the other thing that she does, she is a medium, as was her twin brother who died recently. And you find out as the film goes along that she and her brother made a pact with each other and, and he was more committed to the idea of being a medium than she is. She's just more basically, she can't, she just has the gift. It's interesting the way they sort of uh, share information with you as the film goes along, but really what it's about, and you know from the very opening sequence, the opening sequence, a woman drops her off at a house and uh, gives her the keys to get into this big house and she says, you're not staying? And the woman says no when she leaves. And, and in almost every scene, Kristen Stewart's character is either alone or she's about to be alone. She Skypes with her boyfriend who's on the other side of the world. She does this personal shopping for this woman. But when she goes to drop it off, the woman isn't there and she's left a note. And she says, can you update my Mac while you're here? Um, and then she has uh, re- repeatedly, she has this sort of surprising, mysterious texting relationship with an unknown texter. Right. So there's a lot about this movie. It is a ghost story mm-hmm. at its heart. 
But what it really is, it uses that as kind of a metaphor for kind of, I mean, the idea that in, in, in this sort of civilization where we are online and we're isolating ourselves from other people, you can yourself kind of become a ghost. Mm-hmm. That's, the, that's the overarching theme that he's working with. Horror film fans are not going to like this movie, right? It's much too slow paced. It's much too artsy and high sort of concept. Um, and uh, it's been getting a little little bit of a buzz yeah. in horror movie circles. Yeah, I feel like um, I mean, I, 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 if you're waiting for something real to happen, the, there's really only one scene where it does. And it is an unfortunate scene because the CGI is weak. Ooh, yeah. yeah and I, yeah. I really kind of wish that that scene I didn't if the scene didn't exist in this film, I think it'd have been a stronger movie. Mm-hmm. And, and honestly, I mean, while the supernatural element isn't just regarded entirely so it could be a metaphor it doesn't have to be a metaphor you could read it as not being a metaphor but the the point is it's um it's definitely not in your face you're mm-hmm. going to be waiting for a long time it's an incredibly competently made film it's it, you know as you said many times it's one of those movies where every single thing that happens on screen you know the director made that choice it's that, um yeah he's a even when things get a little messy i think he's a very interesting filmmaker agreed. i'm interested in what he's doing agreed and he's made some interesting movies through his career. I mean, he's been around for quite a while, and uh, and and this is a, it's a good fit for her uh, because and it is also kind of a study of grief. You know, mm-hmm. she's just she's recently three months earlier she's lost her twin brother. So and it's, it's an, which is another really isolating, alienating element in a person's life, grief. So, but that's really what it is, kind of a study of that. Very slow, not a lot happens, um, uh, but a, a very well made film. A couple of high-profile titles out on home video this week. Uh, the first one, Oscar-nominated Hidden Figures. It has made a boatload of money. You know, and, and good for it, yeah. right? Because it shared uh, a piece of history that I wish I'd been taught in school. I cannot believe I didn't know about this until this year. Exactly. It's the story of those three African-American math geniuses. We're yeah. talking about math geniuses who were instrumental in helping the birth of the U.S. space program. And, yeah, it was nominated for Best Picture. And uh, if Octavia you did, Spencer. Octavia who's Spencer. Who's actually, weirdly enough, also in Gifted. She has a small <laughs> role in Gifted. Well, uh, yeah, if you didn't catch it in the theaters, uh, it's one that I liked. We didn't like it as much as a lot of other people well, did. We felt like it played it too safe. A little bit. A little bit of a pandering uh, to go for the feel-good angle, which it, which it did certainly tap into, but still a solid film, and it's out this week, along with another Oscar-nominated title from last year. And another very feel-good movie about a very incredible real-life event, and that is Lion. Nicole Kidman was nominated for an Oscar for this one, and she is really, really great. Dev Patel was, too. The one who wasn't was Sonny Anwar, and that's the one I'd... (laughs) But you saw him. If you watch the Oscars, the little boy... Uh, So it's a story about a little boy in India who falls asleep on a train, wakes up thousands of kilometers from home, has no idea how to get home, eventually... He's adopted by an Australian couple, and 25 years later, he figures out through Google Maps, Google mm-hmm. Earth, how to find his family. Yeah. It is a phenomenal true story. It's an amazing it true story. The first half of the film for me is much stronger than the second half, mm-hmm. um, and I think that there's kind of a needless romantic subplot, but the performances are very strong. Dev Patel's never been better. That's I, right. I often think that he's a weak, and I, I have, thought he was very good I have in this. to agree. I haven't been a huge fan of his performances. I thought... A lot of times in previous films, he's really overdone it. Mm-hmm. But this one, very, very, very good. good. And very good. I think much like Hidden Figures, we both liked it, just not as much as the universal acclaim yes, that it, it got. In fact, I don't think we thought either one of these really deserved to be nominated 
for Best Picture, but they were uh, incredible feel-good movies, and they are both out on home video this week. Next week, we're looking for a big old love triangle. Catherine Heigl and Rosario Dawson fighting over a guy in Unforgettable. I don't know if we're looking forward to that, but we're going to see it next week. <laughs> also, another one from the Ottoman Empire. You've been into that lately. This is crazy. This is What is the deal? This is the third <laughs> Ottoman Empire movie I've seen this year. It's, it's only... April. How is this the third one in four months? Yeah, this one is going to star, this one does star uh, Christian Bale and Oscar Isaac. So two greats, two of the all-time greats right there. Two of the best working actors you'll ever find. that's called The Promise, so we'll see how that is. Also for Earth Day coming up next week, the latest from Disney's Earth Day series. It looks fantastic, at least in the trailers I've seen. Looking forward to seeing Born in China. Can't, well, I really can't wait to yeah, see that. Yeah, it looks beautiful. And one more, uh, the new one from a director we like a lot, Ben Wheatley. Free Fire, which we got a chance to see the other day, and we'll talk more about it next time. But uh, it's an interesting 70s shoot 'em up with a great cast. And, and Ben Wheatley, we love. Spoiler alert a lot of John Denver, <laughs> strangely enough. And we will explain. So if you have uh, want to chime in on these movies, what's coming up, or the movies that we saw this week, and uh, you did too, and want to give your opinion, we'd love to have it. Uh, easiest way to check in with us is on Twitter. Uh, we're at Mad Wolf, M A D D. W-O-L-F, also on Facebook, or Mad Wolf Columbus. And the main website where you can find the written reviews of all these films and more and just some fun shenanigans, and that is madwolf.com. The Screening Room Podcast is a presentation of the Columbus Radio Group and madwolf.com. And until next week, I'm George Wolf. I'm Hope Madden. And this is the Screening Room Podcast. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye.